Well, hey, uh, wherever you are, whether you're in your living room or in your living room, I'm guessing that's where most people are, um, go ahead, you can turn in your Bibles to Psalm 23. This is usually the time in the service that we do what's called a passing of peace, where we spend 10 minutes. If you're an introvert, it probably feels like, you know, 30 minutes of of us greeting one another. Um, And we do it with a lot of life and a lot of joy, and probably for some of you, a little too much aggression. but you can do that right now if you, if you want to text somebody or, or get on a chat and say, hey, I'm thinking about you. I'm praying for you. I love you. Uh, the rest of you, if, if you're able to multitask, and if you're not figuring out that by now, then I don't know. Um, but you can turn in your Bibles to Psalm 23. If you have a device, we're in the ESV version. Um, the last... Uh, few weeks, the last couple of weeks, we've been diving into the Psalms. The first week, two weeks ago, we were in Psalm 46, which we learned about God being near to us and how God isn't just distance. I I keep saying God is not social distancing from us, but that he's near to us. And then last week, we went into Psalm 139 and learned about all the intricate and deep ways that God uh, knows us. He, he knows our frame. He created us. Um, and then today we're going to look at, at how in Psalm 23, the, David, the psalmist, writes about how God cares for us and, and the ways that he shepherds us as his sheep. Because the danger in our self-distancing and our sheltering at home uh, is that we can become increasingly self-focused. Okay, and with that increasing self-focus comes an increase in things like worry and anxiety and fear. And then even on the heels of that are intermingled or mixed with that bitterness and cynicism. I mean, you know, the last time I checked, social media wasn't becoming a happier or less hostile place for us, right, in the midst of all this. But what's going to effectively guide and guard us through that from happening. It, man, it's not the power of positive thinking, right? It's not let's just, uh, you know, just close our eyes and grit our teeth and, and just, just wish all of this away. It has to be more than that. There has to be a power outside of ourselves that is going to guide us and guard us and comfort us. And, and we know from scripture that that, that power can only be uh, God's word and, and God himself. So this mini series that we're in, which I don't know, it, it might turn into a mega series. Um, what it is is an attempt for us to just reset our gaze upon God every Sunday right now in these times and during this crisis, recognizing that the more we set our eyes on God, we'll see ourselves differently. We'll see others differently. We'll see ourselves with greater clarity and even greater compassion Right? And then we'll see others with greater clarity and compassion. And so in Psalm 23, if you haven't turned there, you can turn there now. We have this song, we have this very short song or prayer written by David, by the way, who is a warrior and a king who laid all of that aside to just bear his soul from the perspective of his true identity, what he saw his true identity to be, which was a sheep in need of a shepherd's care. And the result for us, the readers, now is this intimate look of how God cares for his sheep. And so what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look at three ways that he does that in this psalm, which is by leading, comforting, and preparing us. Now, before we do that, Matt, I, I want to talk about this word sheep that David identifies with, because if you weren't feeling good about yourself already, this is the animal God has chosen to describe you and me all the way through scripture, which is not a way to insult 
us, right? God's not trying to insult us, but he's trying to illuminate to us who we are at the core of our being, okay? So when we go to the Old Testament book of Isaiah, chapter 53, verse six, this is what Isaiah says in describing us. He says, all we like sheep have gone astray. He says, we have turned everyone to his own way and the Lord has laid on him, speaking of Christ, the iniquity of us all, the sins of us all. So what we understand by this is that sheep, you and me, we stray, right? We're prone to wandering, like we're going to sing here in just a few minutes when we sing Come Thou Fount, right? So as human sheep, what this means is that upon birth, there, there is nothing in us that desires to be near God. Right, like, like it's so bad that Psalm 14 verse three tells us that there is no one who does good, not even one. Like in case we weren't clear about that, in case we, we thought he meant something different by one, he says, no, not even one, there is none who does good. And this is where the gospel comes in. So because we like to identify as a gospel-centered church, it means that this is really the heart of everything that we say every week. This is the heart of our message, which is the message of the gospel, which is what we call good news. By the way, not good advice. Okay, and there's a distinction between those two things, right? Because when we talk about advice, we're talking about a suggestion about something that you need to do, right? But news is not like advice. News is a declaration of something that's already been done. And so the good news of the gospel begins with the bad news that all of us have sinned. In the book of Romans, it's, Paul tells us, all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. Meaning, this is what that means, just like sheep, which Isaiah pointed to, we have strayed and turned from God, every one of us. And by the way, this is not something we do uh, because, hey, nobody's perfect, right? Like that, that's not why we turn from God in and of itself. No, scripture is clear that a sinner is who we are upon conception. In fact, David tells us in Psalm 51 that we were brought forth in iniquity or in sin. And in sin did our mothers conceive us. Sorry, mom, if you're watching this, that's what it says. That's who I was when I was born. So to be clear, you didn't become a sinner that first time you threw a temper tantrum as a toddler because you were hungry right? You didn't become a sinner. You were born a sinner. So follow me here. As strange sheep who are birthed in sin and want nothing to do with God, God decided in his grace and in his mercy, which means nothing he had to do toward us, he decided to come near to us, which he did by sending his son, Jesus who he named Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now the dilemma here means that the only way for us to go from straying sheep to shepherded sheep, like David in Psalm 23, is that we have to acknowledge that we are straying sheep. We have to repent that we have turned from God. We have to seek forgiveness from Christ, the good shepherd, who laid down his life so that we might have life eternal. That's the message of the Bible. See, God laid the iniquity or the sin of all of us on his son Jesus so that we would not incur the wrath and the punishment that comes from a holy God who can't tolerate sin. So all of us are straying sheep who need shepherding by Jesus, the good shepherd, because without a shepherd, all we're prone to do is live wandering and directionless lives. Because sheep are going to be sheep, 
right? Sheep are going to do sheep. Sheep are going to do what they're going to do. Now, I have this literal mountain lion of a cat, all right? Um, now this guy, man, I mean, my relationship with him, we've had him a little over a year, and my relationship just keeps getting worse with him. But, um, man, so this guy, man, he bites my ankle when he's out of food, right? Like every time the door opens, he does everything he can to run through it, even though we've told him over and over again, dude, you're an inside cat, right? I mean, this guy hisses every time the FedEx driver comes to the door, which is not nearly as often now as it used to be, by the way. Um, Now, what's sad is that we're not expecting our cat to somehow stop doing cat things, right? Like ever, we're never, that's no expectation that this cat's ever gonna change from doing cat things, which is why he needs Jesus, okay? My cat. Um, So my wife is like putting her head down right now. You can't see her. I can see her. I'm not looking at her, but I can see her peripherally. Um, So in Psalm 23, we see just how deeply David is aware of who he really is. So all that to say, when we get into Psalm 23, what we see is David understanding his sheep likeness, right? Which is why he needs God to be only who God can be, which is the shepherd of his soul. Now, the first words out of David's mouth, if you look down in verse one in Psalm 23 are this, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now he doesn't say the Lord is my lion tamer, I shall not want. He knows who he is. And he's saying, look, the only thing that makes any sense is to compare myself with one of the most helpless, dependent, and sorry, unintelligent animals God has ever created. Now notice what he also doesn't say. He also doesn't say, because the Lord has blessed me, I shall not want. Because the Lord has blessed me with all the material things I could want, I shall not want. Because here's what happens with us just in our natural flesh and blood selves is that we tend to have a what have you done for me lately kind of relationship or understanding of God and with God, right? God is good, man, when our life is good. So when my life is just, when everything is flowing, man, God, that guy up in the sky that I, that I just think is kind of looking down, but most of the time can't be bothered, like it must mean that he's cool with everything and everything's just going smashingly in reality, That's just a misrepresentation of who God is. But we do it all the time. We kind of fall back into faulty thinking about who God is. David's not, David's not falling back into faulty thinking about God here because God is good because he is the giver of life. That's why God is good. And when we hunger and thirst after things, it's not because we lack things, right? It's because we're trying to satisfy a hunger and a thirst for something that only God can fill and quench. So what David is tapping into here is our total inability to provide what our souls need, which is why he categorizes himself as a sheep. And I just spent like 45 minutes talking about sheep, right? So the first thing, and this is our first word that we're going to be sort of dialing into. The first thing David shows us is that God cares for his sheep by leading them, leading them, right? Let's look at verses two and three. It says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. So David recognized his need to be led and to be led by someone who could satisfy his sheep-like soul. And he uses imagery for us that leads us straight to the heart of 
Jesus. Because in Matthew 9, 36, we're told this, when he saw the crowds talking about Jesus, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So sheep need to be led. We need to be led or we lead ourselves astray. But when Christ is our shepherd, any other alternative, we just see how it pales in comparison to the point of ridiculousness. Look at what we're led to when we are sheep who are shepherded by the good shepherd. It says green pastures and still waters where our soul will be restored and our strength revived. God leads us to the place where our creaturely needs will be met because he cares about those things that a lot of times we think, can God even be bothered by those things? Can God even be bothered that I'm just at the end of my toilet paper stash? Can God even be bothered that I need hand sanitizer? Can God even be bothered that there are some things right now that I'm in desperate need of? And the fact is, yes, he can. The fact is, yes, God can be bothered about those things because his level of compassion goes infinitely deep right? And that's what verses two and three lead us to remembering. This helps us understand the fatherliness of God, his shepherding qualities. Isaiah 40 verse 11 says, he will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. So God leads us by tending to our greatest needs with compassion and understanding. David is saying, I don't lack anything because God has become my everything. Now, for some reason, if you're like me, you you have this tendency to think that God doesn't identify with us like sheep, like he can't be bothered with our humanness. But when God becomes our shepherd, he is committing his righteousness to be the path that he leads us down. That's what it says in verse three there. Now, here's the thing. And you are always being led. That's just reality. You are always being led. I am always being led. You, myself, we are always on some path, right? So a couple days ago, uh, my wife and I were, were hiking about an hour away at this place called the Bedford uh, Reservation, right? Just this um, amazing uh, just area, one of, the, one of the Cleveland metro parks with all these paths going through all kinds of brooks and streams and this rushing river that I don't even know the name of because I didn't know we had that. Um, so we did discovering all these things. And so we did some hiking on this path. And at some point, the path came to an end, right? And so all we did after that um, was look for a path to bring us back to the path, right? Like you're always being led. You are always on some path. In fact, no path is a path. So it's impossible for us to be pathless people. We are always on a path. We're always being led. Somebody, something is always leading us. But when God, and this is what David is driving at here, is the one leading us, what you find out is that his motivation, and this is where we get to the, the uh, to verse three here, he leads me in paths of righteousness for what? For his namesake. So what David is saying is that when we find out his motivation is not us, but himself, it's mind-numbingly good news, right? Now here's why. Because if God is for God, it means I can trust him to never betray his character 
or his holiness or his righteousness or his graciousness or his loving kindness, his goodness and his mercy. In other words, if God is committed to those things that characterize his person, it means all the ways he cares for me will be personal. And hopefully this just shatters some of the preconceptions that we bring to the table when it comes to God. Because he leads me for the glory, listen, of his name and not my name, for his name's sake, not my name's sake, this is what it means. It means he's going to keep his promises even though I break my promises. It means he's going to be faithful even when I'm faithless. And by the way, when you, when you think about everything David accomplished in his life, his humility here, his understanding of who he is before God, man, it's, it's just really impressive. It's just kind of mind-boggling, right? I mean, he was barely out of high school when he was anointed king over Israel. I mean, this is a dude that had destroyed like lions with his bare hands while tending and protecting his sheep. I mean, at some point, you guys know the story, right? He even laid out this nine foot, or I don't know however tall he was, giant named Goliath with a slingshot, right? So in terms of his character even, this is how God referred to David. He said, that's a man after my own heart. Now, most of us would struggle to see ourselves as needy as David sees himself if we had this resume to brag about. But here's what's so interesting is that with all of that, David knew that he was a straying sheep who needed to be led and shepherded by a good and gracious shepherd. God cares for his sheep by leading them. Secondly, he cares for his sheep by comforting them. Look what it says in verse four. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Look what it says, those two words, even though I wanna pause on those words for just one minute because if we're honest and we all just want it to end after verse three, man, green pastures, still waters, soul restoration, paths of righteousness. That's what I want to be led through. That's what I want printed on the next batch of substance hoodies like all over. That's what I, that's what I want. That's where my heart uh, leans into. What's sobering for us as we get to verse four here is that righteous paths also lead through deathly valley or deep darknesses, even though David says, meaning that this shadowy deathly valley, man, it's a foregone conclusion. But here's what we know is that it's the even though of God, which is the only way for us to endure through the even ifs of life. God allows crisis in order to provide his comfort. Jesus reminds us of that in Romans 5 verse 4 when he said, blessed are they that mourn for they will be comforted. So there's something about the heart of God that looks upon those moments and those days and those hours and those seasons of our life when we are just in disarray and we are mourning. And it's those times that we feel the arms of a shepherd around us, reminding us of his grace and his mercy and his love. So the expectation here is that you will walk through seasons where deep darkness just hovers over you. And if you ever doubted that, you certainly shouldn't now, right? But the valley we walk will be walked through, David says here. And by the way, never walked through alone. 
God is not just sitting on the cliffs in a lawn chair placing bets with the angels on whether you're going to make it through the valley. Right? That's not the kind of God David portrays here. He is walking with you. He is carrying you through the valley. He is beating down the wolves with his rod. He is pulling you back from danger with his staff. The valley is a temporary passage. The shadows will lift. The good shepherd will protect you. He'll comfort you because he loves and he cares for his sheep. We can look to God in the deep darkness and say without hesitation and with full confidence, you are with me. Because not only is he in the valleys, but he's also Lord over the deep darkness that lingers over them. Isaiah 43, 2, it echoes these words when it says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned and the flame shall not consume you. So the question for us today, this morning is, what is your go-to comfort when you pass through the waters? What is your go-to comfort when you walk through the fires of your life? So just, and just to be really honest with you, man, for me, uh, one of those things is, is eating for me, man. So, you know, I have those times of anxiety and stress and worry in my life, and it's going to be pancakes and waffles. I'm going to do both, pancakes and waffles, you know, in the morning, even though it's the same batter, they're just different shapes, right? But I'm going to do all of that in the morning. I'm going to do some burgers and fries for lunch. I'm going to enjoy some cake in the afternoon. Man, I'm going to load up a pan of nachos about three feet high for dinner and shoot, man, whatever's left of that cake, I'm going to have that afterwards. I'm going to throw a little ice cream on the side. If there's whipped cream or my wife can make some whipped cream, we're going to do that. Right, we're going to do all of those things, man. You guys are all getting like starving right now. That sounds like a wonderful life plan for Sunday, by the way, that I just laid out for you. The problem is this, right? All joking aside is that cake is a lousy shepherd to my soul, right? It leaves my belly full, but it leaves my soul empty. So what is that for you? What is it for you? Maybe it's vegging out. Right? Maybe, man, the way for you just to, to try to just close off the world and the problems in the world and the fear you have about the future is just to veg out, to not do anything, or maybe to, to go to sleep. For some of you, man, it's pornography. It's clicking in on something that will take your mind off of all of your troubles and put it on something that gives you some level of physical comfort. For some of you, man, you're just on Amazon Prime, man. You're, you're clicking on a bunch of stuff. You're, you're hoping it gets here within the next six weeks, but you're, you just continue to click because you like to shop. You like to know that something new is coming. So you view, you click, you engage, you disengage, but your soul is not comforted by any of these things as much as it's consumed by them, right? Why? Well, because they're ineffective. They're ineffective in their ability to be a well of lasting comfort in this life, much less in the next. These are bad shepherds for us, and yet they are your shepherds if you look for them to be your ultimate comfort and companion in the deep darkness. But you know what David says with full confidence and with full knowledge of truth? He says, you are with me. None of those other things remain with us. They are bad comforts. They are not good companions. But God cares for his sheep by comforting them. 
And he also cares for his sheep by, this is our third point, by preparing for them. Verses four through six, let me read it. Verses five and six, sorry, it says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God comforts us. He also prepares us. And as he prepares a feast with us while we're surrounded by our enemies, which is what David is saying here, he's preparing in that preparation to be with us and for us to be with him because nowhere in your life have you experienced the presence of anyone like God. And that's what David is is getting our minds back to remembering. Nobody is with you the way God has been with you, who does everything for the sake of his glory. That feast that God has prepared for you in the presence of your enemies happens to be his son, Jesus, who is more present to you than even your enemies today. Now, man, Melissa is is amazing in the kitchen, man. I got to tell you guys, um, she will prepare just these amazing meals for me when she knows I'm coming home from man, whether, whatever it is, like a, a day of just long and difficult meetings or man, that long trip that I've been on or, or just a day when ministry has just taken its toll and I'm just maybe just fed up and I'm depressed and I'm disgruntled. You guys don't think that stuff happens to me. It happens to me. But here's the thing. It's not really the meal, right? It's not really the meal that's drawn me. And even though like I, I like the meal, I want the meal, you know, I'm hungry, I'm craving the meal, but it's not really the meal in and of itself, but the one who prepared it and that I'm sharing it with that is most satisfying to me, right? Because God knows I'm going to get hungry again. My wife knows it too. She knows it right now, right? But knowing I have someone who cares for me enough to prepare something for me is far more comforting than just the food. If it was just the food, man, I could, I could order out, right? I could make some cereal, I could throw some homemade bread in uh, the toaster. And by the way, man, there's been so much homemade bread uh, in my house these days that it's literally out of control. You need to stop. You need to stop making that. I'm just kidding. Please don't stop making that bread. But with the preparation comes what I more deeply long for and need, which is presence. It's who prepared the food and who's going to share the food with me that's most important because that does something not merely to my appetite, but to my soul. So somehow when shepherded sheep find themselves at greatest risk, they can experience their most restful rest. They can experience their most peaceful peace, their most secure security and their most hopeful hope. And we experience an outpouring of grace and mercy and help, not because all of the adversarial elements of life have been removed either, but because God doesn't remove himself from us in them. Man, and those enemies, by the way, that David's talking about, they also help us. Now, how do they help us? Well, I'm going to tell you, they help us by remembering that God is there because we remember we're needy sheep in need of our shepherd when we know that none of those other things that we've gone to for comfort are helping us anymore. And so we get to know and experience God on a far deeper level than if we were tempted not to, listen, because the blessings never stopped flowing. 
Like if we want the cup of God's presence to overflow in our lives, sometimes blessings have to be removed to experience that flow. And by the way, to desire that flow. So man, what have we been doing the last couple of weeks? But social distancing, we've been sheltering in place. How badly do we all want to be near people? How badly do we want to be gathered again as a church body to be able to receive the encouragement, to be able to receive communion together, to be able to receive all that comes, the fellowship, the bondedness from gathering again. But here's kind of a perspective for us is this, is hasn't the coronavirus given our gatherings even greater meaning now though, because of their lack? I mean, think of how God is preparing us for what is to come. Think of how we'll remember someday about how quickly these things were removed. Think about how we'll look fondly on the ways God blessed us with his presence in the lack as he prepared us for when we were going to have a bounty again, right? Why does that matter? Why does any of that matter? Because knowing that God is present means we can persevere. Eugene Peterson says this, he says, perseverance is not the result of our determination, he says. It is the result of God's faithfulness. So it's really helpful for us to remember who God is and what he's preparing us for through moments and times and crises that we just don't understand, right? Because here's what we can remember about God and this is that our lives aren't the hunger games, right? That God is not, you know, behind some like window, you know, in, in some tower with all the electronics and all the cameras. He's not just some observer. He's not the guy with balcony seats watching you play at your way through life, wondering if you'll make it to the next level, Right? He's not preoccupied right now, right? He's not refreshing his Facebook status while black clouds just continue to form around you and around your heart. He's preparing you for what lies ahead while being present with you when it arrives. And so as we close this morning, here's the most encouraging part about Psalm 23 for us. It's that it's fulfilled. Psalm 23 was fulfilled because Jesus came. We find our fulfillment in Psalm 23 because Jesus came as the good shepherd to die as a sheep led to the slaughter. Turn with me to the gospel of John. You want to make a hard right, go all the way to the New Testament, to the gospel of John. And we're going to read about what Jesus has to say about himself as a shepherd. John chapter 10. I'm going to pick up in verse 11. And this is what Jesus says. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, he does not own the sheep. He sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Verse 14, he goes on to say, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. 
I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. To the encouraging words of Jesus as he's talking about who he is and what he came to do for us as straying sheep. Because at the end of the day, God's desire for us is to not be straying sheep, but to be shepherded sheep. And, and those are the, the two categories that we really, if we were to pare everything down, those are the two categories that we find ourselves in this morning. Are we shepherded sheep or are we straying sheep? If we're shepherded sheep, we have Jesus as our shepherd who laid down his life because he cares about our destination in the next life. Jesus came to die. He was born to die. He was born to give up his life. And he did it by living a sinless life for sinners so that sinners who put their trust in him for the forgiveness of their sins can have peace with God. And they can do what the end of Psalm 23 says, which is dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's because of that that we shall not want. That's what it means to be a shepherded sheep then some of us are, are straying sheep. Some of us, some of us are straying sheep and, and we tend to be in, in two categories as straying sheep when we think about David being a warrior and a king. Some of us are just kind of warrior-like in, in, our, in our straying sheepness, right? We're just like, we, we put our fist in the air. We're like, man, I can do this. I don't need to be weak. Man, Christianity's a crutch. Ronnie, you're, you're, you're describing somebody that I don't want to be. I don't like it when I feel needy. I like to know that I can take care of myself. I like to know that I'm the master of my own destiny, right? And, and, all, and all we can say is look back in your life and ask yourself how that's been going for you. The other thing is some of us just want to be a king, right? Right? We, we don't want anybody telling us what to do, man. We got our castle, we have our life, and we are the kings and queens of this empire that we have tried to create for ourselves that we hope is impenetrable. And the Bible tells us, here's the problem, it's not. Because what we see for people that are building unimpenetrable empires for themselves is that the story always has the same ending and we find ourselves at a place where we desperately need to be shepherded by somebody who holds the world in the palm of his hands and our lives in the deepest recesses and corners of his heart. That's who David is talking about when he's talking about God. That's who the Bible is talking about when it presents to us Christ as the good shepherd. David let both of those things down, warrior and king, so that he could be cared for, so that he could be shepherded. So here's, I'm going to end with this question. Will COVID-19, will this be the moment that you finally come under the care of Jesus, the good shepherd? You stop straying. You stop being a straying sheep, but become a shepherded sheep. That you submit your life to the rule of the good shepherd who laid down his life for you. Why? Because your life is not okay with God until that happens. First Corinthians 1.30 tells us that Jesus is the wisdom of God for us. Jesus is the wisdom of God for us. In other words, this is what that means. 
God did the absolute best thing that could be done for you to flourish as a human being, which was to send his son in human flesh to sacrifice his life in place of yours. You need, I need someone to rule my life. You need someone to rule your life was the character of a shepherd. Because why? Because you don't have that character. And we are ruled and we are shepherded by a shepherd like the living God. Our character begins to conform to him and our hope and our trust is not just placed on things of the earth, which moth and rust destroys. But it's in a solid hope in this world and whatever viruses come upon us and in the next when we are going to spend eternity with or without God. What did we just sing at the beginning of the service? A song called Come Ye Sinner. There's a line in it that said, all the fitness he requires is to see your need of him. And that applies to all of us this morning. Imagine the stories of hope God is writing during these heartbreaking hours. Will this be your story? The day you become a shepherded sheep under the care of the good shepherd who leads, comforts, and prepares those he loves to dwell in his house with Jesus forever is the day that you will finally arrive at a place of hope. It'll be a day when you finally arrive at a place that you can sing those words, he walks with me and have the sureness and the security that all of that is true. If you want to turn back to Psalm 27, I want to invite you into this hope by finishing with these encouraging words. In Psalm 27, I'm going to pick up in verse 4 and then we'll pray. Psalm 27, 4. Listen to these words of hope. One thing have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. And picking up in verse 13 as we end. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. We pray with me. Lord, we thank you for the comfort that we have knowing that you are the good shepherd remembering that it was Christ who laid down his life as a good shepherd so that we could be his own and so that we would never be snatched away from his hand so we would have that security. And so, Lord, as we find ourselves in these moments 
of fear and uncertainty. We don't know what next week carries for us. We pray, Lord, that you would give us strength, that you would give our hearts courage as we wait for you with patience and with expectation and with hope. Lord, we pray that you would lift our heads up. Lord, that you would receive these sacrifices of joy as we sing and we make melody to you. But we pray right now that as we finish, as we sing, come thou fount of every blessing, Lord, that you would remind us that right now our reality is that we do dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of our life if we are your shepherded sheep because our heart and our hope is to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, remembering that you are hiding us in your shelter. You are concealing us under the cover of your tent and you will lift us high upon the rock that is Christ, which is unbreakable. Lord, thank you for this truth that carries us, we pray. In Christ's name, together we all said, amen.